If you were with us last week, you might remember that it was a pretty hard-to-hear message last week. If you weren't with us, then just a quick flick over uh, back a page. And the title, the heading of the passage we looked at just gives you that clue. The world hates the disciples. Being a Christian is hard. Being a follower of Jesus is hard. It was hard for the first disciples. It's hard for every Christian now. And it seems as we start the passage from verse 12, it seems that Jesus almost wants to or could carry on in that vein. Verse 12, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. And later on, maybe you picked up on it, Jesus talks about being scattered, having trouble. But maybe, maybe he looks at the disciples and he sees the look on their faces after the hard news from last week. And, and he kind of changes tack. Maybe not. But his mood changes here, Jesus. The message changes. After giving his hard-to-hear but important-to-hear message, he follows this up in the passage we've just read with massive reassurances for the Christian. Because we all need reassurances from time to time, right? It's important. It's, it's comforting for us in whatever sphere of life we might find ourselves in. Um, this past weekend was an eventful uh, weekend in the Woodbridge household. Uh, whilst my wife on Saturday evening was fainting after being stuck in a broken lift with 10 other people, um, I was being concussed on a football field. And so um, I can't remember much of the game. We lost it, so it's probably just as well uh, that I can't remember it. But, but as I spoke to different people, friends who are doctors, and as they asked me questions, it turned out I wasn't too bad. It was all right. But they said maybe just to make sure, maybe it's worth going into A&E, those dreaded two letters, and you think of the time you're going to waste as you wait for them. And so you're weighing up the pros and cons, and eventually uh, our friend who's a doctor persuaded us enough that it's worth going in uh, to A&E. And so there we were for two and a half hours waiting. Um, and the doctor said the same thing. We think it's all right. It, it looks as if you're fine. But just to be sure, it's worth getting the scan. And so I got the scan. The scan came back fine. And it was the all clear. It was the likeliest outcome. It was the most probable outcome. But to get the scan, to get the result, to get the certainty as opposed to the probability well, that was the reassurance that we were after. Jesus says, it will be hard to follow me. It will be hard to be a Christian. Jesus is saying he's leaving. Jesus says in our passage, you will be scattered. And maybe that's how you feel right now as a Christian. You feel scattered, this idea that you're just on your own in the workplace. Maybe you're, you are the only Christian in the office, and it's hard. You're trying to stand tall for Jesus. And maybe you just feel like you can't do that right now. It's just so much easier to keep quiet. Maybe you feel it's, it's just all got too much, and you're just ready to give it all up. Well, in light of last week's passage, in light of the reality of how hard it can be to be a Christian, especially when you're on your own. Well, Jesus says here, let me reassure you. 
So how does Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, how does he bring his disciples then and us now reassurance as Christians? Three things that come out of this passage. Here's the first. Through the spirit of truth, the spirit of truth. Have a look down uh, from verse 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Jesus says the Spirit of truth is coming. And you see what this Spirit of truth is going to do or going to bring? He will guide you into all truth. He will speak only what he hears and tell you what is to come. He will glorify Jesus. This is the spirit of truth. Now, truth seems to have a funny place in society today. It it seems that on the one hand, people like to say we live in a post-truth world that whatever is true for you might not be true for me, and that's okay. We can get on. The important thing is that I can accept your truth as long as you accept my truth, and we can live in harmony with one another, can't we? And, And yet, the problems can come when your truth conflicts with my truth. What do we do? Or worse than that, what if your truth offends my truth? Do I just sit back and let it? What if more people prefer your truth than prefer my truth? What do I do? And so then what can happen in society is people go on the attack and say, your truth, you know what? It's actually fake news. It's not even true at all. And so then what have we got? Have we got post-truth? Have we got fake news? Well, actually, if we are actually post-truth, then fake news is all right, isn't it? We don't mind. You see, I think the reality is today, and tell me afterwards if you disagree with this, but I think the reality is that at the end of the day, we all want the truth. Look at the um, general election campaign happening at the moment, which we all can't miss. I think behind a lot of it is a desire for truth. And so, so often after the interviews, after the debates, the biggest articles and analysis of them is to fact-check it. Are they telling us something that is true? Can we trust what they have to say? And so you saw, if you were watching last week after the uh, Johnson versus Corbyn debate um, and the almost uh, uproar off off the back of it when the Conservative Party changed their Twitter account to be called Fact Check UK. Why? Because they want to expose any falsehood. They want to let us know the truth and if what Labour claim is against it. But then the irony was that they were criticised for misleading people. They're not being trustworthy in the way that they put out the truth. And so I find myself thinking, what do I trust? Is there anything I can trust? Is there anyone I can trust? And maybe you can feel this when it comes to your Christian faith. Maybe you're in your office and people turn to you, colleagues turn to you and say, you don't believe that's true, do you? There's no way it can be true. 
Or alternatively, they might say, hey, if you want to believe it's true, that's fine. If it's true for you, it's fine, but it's not true for me. So don't go imposing your truth on me because you cannot do that. And that can maybe lead to doubts. Is it true? Have I just got this all wrong? And so Jesus here gives us a wonderful reassurance. He says the Spirit will come for his disciples. The Spirit has come for all those who follow Jesus today. And he is a spirit of truth. He will guide you into all truth. You can trust what the Spirit has to say. How do we know the Spirit's truth? How does he guide us into all this truth? Well, primarily it's through the Bible, through people writing down the Spirit-inspiring God's words. And so, if you're a Christian here this lunchtime, be encouraged that what we hold in our hands is truth, is God's truth. Maybe you're here at this lunchtime, and and at the moment you wouldn't call yourself a Christian. At the moment you're looking into things, and, and maybe one of your questions is, how can I trust this book? What do I make of this book, the Bible? Well, here's the claim of the Christian faith. This is true. And and true maybe in two ways we could call it. This is true in the sense of this is a reliable historical document. We can read the events that are written down here and trust that they really happened. And trust that the writers as they wrote them wanted us to know true events. And trust that as it has been passed down through the years that we have reliably with us now what was written back in the first century. But this isn't just truth in the sense of we can trust it as a historical document. No, it's so much more than that. This claims to be the truth that tells us all that we need to know about ourselves. It tells us the truth of who God is. It tells us the truth of what life really looks like. And so keep reading it. And it's great to have you with us as we work through John's Gospel. And if you'd like to look at it further and look at different parts of the Bible, do come and speak to me. We'd love to make that happen. And if you're here as a Christian, be assured that as you read God's Word, you are reading truth. And so keep reading it. Get into good habits. Be reading it regularly. Look to read bits of it every single day. Maybe take it on your commute if you haven't got time when you first get up in the morning. Maybe get it on an audio form if there's no space in the tube carriage to get a book out at the time. Keep reading it. Let's be reading God's truth. Because as the world around us, and maybe your offices, tell us that we're post-truth, says that what you believe is rubbish, it's not true, as we may feel isolated in our belief as a Christian in the office. Jesus says, be reassured that we have a truth that we can trust in. But it's not just a spirit of truth, uh, but we also have the spirit of joy. Have a look down, verse 16. Jesus went on to say, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. At this, some of the disciples said to one another, what does he mean by saying, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? 
and because I am going to the Father. They kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he is saying. It's almost as if Jesus is speaking some kind of riddle in verse 16. In a little while you won't see me, after a little while you will see me. Who am I? And just as I'm sure we would have been if we were there, the disciples are confused. They don't get it. What are these little whiles? When are these little whiles? How little are these little whiles? And so Jesus, verse 19, looks to clarify. Have a look down. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this, so he said to them, Are you asking one another what I meant when I said, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn whilst the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. Jesus says, do you see what I mean? There will be a time of, of weeping and of mourning there will be a time of grieving. And in fact, whilst that's going on, the world around you will be rejoicing. But don't despair, because your grief will turn to joy. And, and he compares it to a woman, a mother giving birth. And I realized that I've got no experience of this personally and never will do. And, and we haven't, my wife and I haven't given birth. Uh, birth to kids yet, and I've managed to avoid the programs like One Born Every Minute so far. But I am told, and, it, and in fact, only in the last couple of weeks, two of our closest friends have given birth to their first children. And one of them, Lydia, said to my wife, Rosie, that the joy she experiences now overrides the sickness she experienced during pregnancy, even overrides the pain she experienced of childbirth. And I don't know if that's the experience for every mother. Maybe not. But Lydia spoke of a wonderful joy in bringing her baby into the world. Of a connection with her new daughter that nothing else compares with. And so Jesus uses that to say, verse 22, so with you. You see, Jesus here is speaking about his death on the cross. He says it will be a time of weeping, of mourning, of grieving. Whilst the world around rejoices, it will be an awful time for the, for the disciples. Their Messiah is telling them that he must go and will go in the most gruesome form, being nailed to a cross like a common criminal. And yet Jesus says that pain will bring joy. Jesus has to die and go because then Jesus can rise and come back. And when he does, oh, the joy the disciples will experience. And whilst we're not the disciples, whilst we weren't there at the cross of Jesus, Jesus says that because of the resurrection, every follower of Jesus can experience that joy. I wonder what it is for you that you think of or go to when I talk about joy, the moments in life, the people that bring a smile to your face. So often for me, uh, the things that bring me joy seem to revolve always around sports. Um, I remember back to the beginning of the summer 
um, being in here after our service, about eight of us crowded around a phone watching uh, the Cricket Men's World Cup final as England won their first ever Men's Cricket World Cup. And the joy and, and, and just shouting as they scored those, well, didn't score the winning runs, scored the winning boundary, I think we won it in the end. And yet you know the reality of that joy? It doesn't last. It will soon be gone. Listen to these words of one of the heroes from the World Cup final, Liam Plunkett. Here's how he described the days after the final. He said, it was quite hard, and honestly, I felt quite down for a little bit. Everything was building up to that World Cup, and it was the highest point of my career. I'm not sure anything's going to happen like that again in cricket for me. In the blink of an eye, it was gone. And then it felt like a massive low. Do you see how the joy that the Spirit brings compares to the temporary joy of this world? Have a look at the end of verse 22. And no one will take away your joy. It can be never taken away. What a wonderful reassurance that is. You see, the worries of the, about the joys of this world is, is whether we'll, we'll ever experience anything like it again. For Plunkett, he's gone through that, and now it's the low of thinking, that is the pinnacle, and I'll never hit that again. And yet Jesus says the joy that comes with knowing him, the joy that the Spirit brings for the Christian believer, that can never be taken away. And so however you might be feeling at work, however isolated you might be as a Christian in your workplace, the pressure you might be feeling under because of the deadlines before we get to Christmas, or, or maybe it's the kind of mundanity of work now. You've been in the job for two or three years or 10 or 15 years and you thought this was what was going to bring you that pleasure and, and you find you're approaching that midlife crisis or even the early life crisis as one person I spoke to last week put it for themselves. As a Christian, it can be tough, trying to live out our faith at work, letting our faith impact the way we work, letting our faith impact the relationships around us, and it's tough. And Jesus says, in spite of circumstances, I can bring a joy that can never be taken away. In a world where Jesus says it will be hard to follow him, where we can feel on our own, be assured by the truth that we can trust in and be assured by the joy that can never be taken away. And then finally, be assured by the spirits of peace. Have a look down from verse 29. Then the disciples said, now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to, uh, to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. The disciples seem to get it. They seem to understand Jesus' sort of clear speaking now. They believe that he came from God. And yet it seems that Jesus disagrees. In fact, he's just told them, verse 25, that he is in fact speaking figuratively. And, and so, verse 31, he says, Do you now believe? Jesus replies. A time is coming, and in fact has come, when you will be scattered, each to your own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. 
In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You see, the disciples' response in verse 29 sounds good. It seems like they've got it. But, but maybe the worry for Jesus here is that they haven't, in fact, got it. And so Jesus reminds them of the challenges they will face. They will be scattered, verse 32. There will be trouble, verse 33. And yet, see how quickly Jesus follows it with the reassurances once again? But you will have peace. Take heart. I have overcome the world. Peace is a wonderful state to be in. You you may have read uh, stories, testimonies of people coming out of conflict into a time of peace and how much uh, it's impacted them and how much they enjoy that peace. But greater than any, uh, any worldly peace can bring is the peace that God's Spirit can bring us. And maybe you know that from your own experience or from the experience of Christians around you. Let me read um, the experience of a lady called Darlene Diebler-Rose uh, from her autobiography here. Darlene Diebler-Rose was a missionary around World War II or just before World War II broke out. And once it broke out, she got captured and put in a Japanese prisoner of war camp um, and then got taken to solitary confinement. Here's how she describes her experience. She says, On the door of the cell, before the guard paused, were written in chalk these words, This person must die. The guard unlocked the door, opened it, and shoved me inside the cell. The door closed upon me, and I dropped to my knees eyes intent upon the keyhole. When I saw the key made a complete revolution, I knew I was on death row, imprisoned to face trial and the sentence of death. I listened to the footsteps of the guard recede on the concrete walkway, and when I could hear them no longer, I sank back onto my heels. My face and hands were wet with cold perspiration. Never had I known such terror. Suddenly, I found I was singing a song that I had learned as a girl in Sunday school. Fear not, little flock, whatever your lot. He enters all rooms, the doors being shut. He never forsakes, he never is gone. So count on his presence from darkness till dawn. And then she writes, So tenderly my Lord wrapped his strong arms of quietness and calm about me. I knew they could lock me in, but they couldn't lock my wonderful Lord out. Jesus was there in the cell with me. There's someone who was on her own. And there's someone who felt isolated as a Christian. And, and yet in that moment, she was able to know the calm and peace that the Spirit can bring. It can be hard to feel peace in a place like central London, where it just never stops. We never stop, work never stops. It's never time for peace. It can be hard to find peace as a Christian in the workplace, on our own, the pressure to perform, to live up to expectations. Jesus says he can bring a peace that transcends all circumstances. However work is going right now, wherever you find yourself, how is it possible 
Well, as we finish, do you notice how Jesus says that Christians find themselves in two realities in verse 33? He says, we are in this world, and in this world there will be trouble. We heard all about that last week. But the wonderful reassurance is, take heart. I, Jesus, have overcome this world. And so not only are we in this world, but he says, we are also in him. In me, you may have peace. So whatever the troubles are that this world brings, the peace always prevails because Jesus has overcome this world. So when you feel on your own, as a disciple of Jesus, as a follower of Jesus in the workplace, whenever you feel scattered, as Jesus warns his disciples, will we come back to these truths and remind ourselves of these truths? That we hear that the spirit of truth will guide us into all truth. That no one can take away our joy. And that we may have peace because he has overcome the world. Let me pray for us. Father God, thank you for Jesus' reassuring words here that even when we may feel on our own, even when we are scattered, even when we may experience trouble and hardship for being a Christian, thank you that we have the spirit of truth. Thank you that we can know the spirit of joy that can never be taken away from us. Thank you that we can know peace in the midst of all our circumstances. Father God, help us to trust in that truth and joy and peace. Help us to know it and to experience it each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen.